welcome this morning to this service of worship. Uh, thank you for being here in person. Thank you uh, for watching live stream for those who are at home. Um, we trust we can worship all together. A couple of announcements just as we begin um, this morning. First, from our children's ministry that um, on Wednesday evening will be a family fun night uh, for kindergartners through fifth grade uh, from 6.30 to 7.30 on the uh, South Lawn, so that way. And um, so that'll be this Wednesday evening. They'll do some games, have a little lesson, um, give out some prizes, treats, and so forth. So it's a fun time for our K through fifth graders. Uh, And then next Sunday, between services, we're having an outdoor Sunday school for kindergartners through fifth graders uh, by the playground, which will be over back in the back here, uh, outside. And so it'll be about 30 minutes long and uh, be, uh, again, for kids, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. So just a time of trying to gather our kids in a safe way um, as well. So if there's any uh, yoggers or uh, college students or other adults that would like to help out with that, uh, you can contact Jenny Litke at jenny at gepc.org. This afternoon, our Youth of Grace Yog small groups will meet from 3.30 to 5.30 on the North Lawn, so where the circles are. And so that's uh, this afternoon. Women's Bible studies start this week. So for the women of the church, if you're going to be in a Bible study in person, you can pick up the materials uh, when you arrive at that Bible study. Uh, If you're Zooming, uh, then you can pick up uh, the materials this morning. They should be out in the Narthex area or outside of the welcome table, I guess, uh, or you can see Lindsay uh, sometime during the week to get those materials. Also, if I forget to announce it at the end of this service, as I sometimes want to do, um, elders will be available to pray with you. Um, Normally we pray in this corner here, but since you all will be exiting that way, uh, nobody probably wants to kind of come this way. So they'll be in the new Narthex area, way off to my left, uh, your left as you go out in that uh, area there. So there'll be some elders there if you um, desire for them to pray with you. So welcome. Uh, As we begin, let me ask you please to stand. And our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 145, and it's responsive. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come as people in need of grace. We need forgiveness for we have sinned. We, We need acceptance for we deserve to be cast out. We need renewal, for we're weary, strength, for for we are weak. We need assurance, because we falter. Thus, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom is grace and truth, in whom we find rest for our souls. Work in us, we pray, a spirit of wisdom and understanding and our knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our hearts, that we may be enlightened, that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of the glorious inheritance that awaits us and the immeasurable greatness of your power that is given to us who believe. And this we pray, that our worship may be worthy of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
You may be seated. And let us confess our sins together, praying, O my Savior, forgive my sin. I am slow to learn, prone to forget, and reluctant to admit my need. I am pained by my graceless heart, my prayerless days, my poverty of love, my sloth in the heavenly race, my sullied conscience, my wasted hours, my unspent opportunities. I seem blind where the light shines around me. Take the scales from my eyes, grind to dust my heart of unbelief. Make it my highest joy to study you, meditate on you, gaze on you, count all things lost, save knowing Christ. Amen. Take a moment quietly and confess your sins. May this word from God through this psalmist bring assurance to us. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Please stand. And let us profess our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Until the day you return 
dedicate our offering this morning. Father in heaven, we are delighted that you bless us so. You bless us with every good and perfect gift. You bless us with provision that we may live. You give us eternal life and also you sustain us with all the things necessary for our material well-being and we're grateful. What a blessing it is and we stop now to acknowledge that blessing and to give you thanks. But also we give you thanks for the great blessing that is ours to be able to give because it's an indicator to us that you really have worked in our hearts, that we are no longer those who think just of themselves nor believe life consists in the abundance of our possessions. Those who think that we must accumulate, those who think that We are the ones who provide all that we need because we know that you do. And we know that it is a great blessing to share. We know that it's a great blessing to give. So Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for the ministry of our church that enables us to come before you to worship, to learn of you and to share the truth about you with others, to share life together. So Father, thank you for the blessing that you've given us to give. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we come to the scripture, may I ask you to uh, turn to 1 John in chapter one, 1 John in chapter one. I want to read this whole chapter and on into chapter two and verse two. I have already uh, shared some uh, with verses one through four, uh, and I won't be able to get to chapter two, verses one and two, but uh, I want us to see the whole of it, and then next week we'll return and pick up where we leave off this week, uh, beginning in chapter two, but I want to read uh, 1 John chapter one, verse one to chapter two, and verse two. And as we find that, let's pray together. We call this the prayer of illumination because it's this very Holy Spirit who breathed out this word through the Apostle John to us is the very one who's with us now to help us to see it, to bring it to light. So let's pray together. God, you say that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so I pray that you would enable us uh, through this word to see that you would light our way and that we would know where we're to walk, we know how we're to walk and you would enable us uh, to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. First John in chapter one, please, verse one. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And together we say, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Now, the question before us this morning um, from the Apostle John, from the Lord, really is, uh, do we have fellowship with God? I mean, that's John's claim. We have fellowship with God, meaning he, the apostles, and all those who believe along with him. But the question for us is, uh, do we have fellowship with, with God? There probably isn't a more important question to be asked than that one. Do we have fellowship with God? Do we share in God the life that he gives, the life that's in him and from him? Do we have fellowship with God? Do we know him? Do we walk with him? Do we abide in him? That's the question. Jesus said that eternal life in essence is knowing God. Jesus said eternal life is knowing the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And when we talk about eternal life, of course, as I mentioned last week, we do mean that we'll live forever in the, under the blessing of God in his presence in his grace and mercy. But it means more than that. It means that that life is ours now. Oh, not that our lives are going to be, are exactly like they're going to be, <laughs> but that life exists in us now to know God, to walk with him, to, to abide in him, to know the security that we have in him, to know that we belong to him, to know that He's forgiven our sins to know that he's our father, to know that we have purpose, to know that everything that occurs works together for our good and for his glory. Uh, to know that, to live like that, uh, even, even now, um, to walk with him, to abide with him, to know him. So John begins with this declaration of this message. And he says, uh, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. Now notice, John says that this is the message we've heard from him, that is, we've heard from Jesus. This isn't something that John has made up. This is something the apostles have made up. This is something that they heard from, from him that's been revealed to them. We're not, we're not simply trusting John's intellect here or, or the apostles' ability to write historical fiction. That isn't it at all. He, they really know this is true because it came directly from this one whom they had, had heard, had seen, had beheld, had touched, this very one, Jesus, God, with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And they were commissioned by Jesus to teach everything that he had commanded. And so that's what he's doing here. He's following that commission. He's proclaiming this message. And the message is that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, when we hear these words, light and darkness, we realize that John's trying to figuratively, if you will, with figurative language, communicate something to us that is true of God. This is God. He is, he is light. Later on, he'll say God is spirit. Later on, he'll say God is love. Here he's saying God is, is light. In him, there's no darkness. We think of light. We think of being able to see. We think of something being revealed. And so... John is saying to us that, that God is knowable. He's revealed himself. He's, he's light. We can see him and all that's true through him. He is, in fact, light. Light exposes. Light enables us to see. Light reveals. And it says there's no darkness in him. He, he doesn't hide. He isn't hidden. But, in fact, he is Light, he makes himself known. We also, when we think of light, we think of truth. We think of faithfulness. We think of reliability. And, and God is indeed true. Everything that he says is true. He is true in his very being. There is no error in him. He cannot lie. When we think of light, we think of, of purity. We think of perfection. And in God, there's perfection. His love is perfect, his will is perfect. His thoughts are perfect. His grace is perfect. 
His power is perfect. His wrath is perfect. Everything about him is pure, is perfect. It's not impure at all. Whereas darkness, there's this impurity, this evil about it. And, and John's point too is that this, this light brings with it um, and a moral perfection. It's right. It's morally perfect. God is morally perfect. And that doesn't mean that God fits some kind of standard. We don't take this standard outside of God and apply it to God and say, oh, look, God is perfect. No, 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 no. God in himself is perfection. Everything that he says is the standard. Everything that he thinks is the standard. Everything that he does is the standard, you see. Uh, he is perfect. And, and when we think of this perfection, moral perfection, when I think of it, and I hear John saying to me, have fellowship with God, I think, sheesh, how can that be? How can I have fellowship with this one who is perfect? How can I have fellowship with this one who is indeed right? Now, in one sense, I can have fellowship with you because when I compare myself to you, I'm always above average. And I know when you compare yourself to me, you're like A plus. Uh, but here it is with God who is light. How can I have fellowship with him? What can I share in common with him uh, knowing my, my, own, my own sinfulness? We know there were these false teachers in uh, the churches there who had left finally, but false teachers, and, and they had a solution for all of this. You can see it here. They make particular claims. It seems that this little expression that John uses three times in these verses, if, if we say or if we claim, as it is in some translations, that, that he's referring to things that they've said or they've claimed to be true about them. And, and, and John is going to say about them that they do not have fellowship with God. His purpose in pointing that out is to say to the people in the church who really know the Lord that you do have fellowship with God. But here's how we know. And here's how we maintain that fellowship. Notice in verse six, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. They're saying, listen, the light is given not only that we can see what is true, but so that we can walk in it. The light is given so we can believe what is true and walk in it, to believe it and to live it out. John says, anybody can say they have fellowship with God. How do we know if you really do? And John here is saying, well, well how do you walk? How do you live? Uh, do you continue to walk in darkness or are you walking in light? If we say we have fellowship with him while well, we walk in darkness, we lie and the truth and we do not practice the truth. Um, he says we need to live, we need to live this out. Um, it's true, you know, that when Jesus referred to himself as the light in John chapter eight in verse 12, he said this. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, that's the expectation that will receive this light, will see it, and will walk, therefore, uh, therefore in it. It shouldn't surprise us. I mean, if we have fellowship with anybody, their lives should rub off on us. If you have friendships, I trust that those friendships, the lives of the people with whom you're friends, will rub off on you, and, and you'll be able to know, oh, he's a friend of that person, she's a friend of that person. Or if you've been mentored by somebody, certainly their mentorship will, will, will show up. If you have fellowship with your mentor, uh, then their lives will rub off on you. And, and the truth of the matter is that that goes um, for God as well, even more so. Because when we come into relationship with God, everything changes. We see this light, he shines upon us. We see him, he reveals to us our own lives and his, and how we should walk. It changes us, it transforms us from the inside out. Jesus uses the expression of being born again, that, that, that now we're new, and our lives, you see, should reflect that. So when I, I prayed this morning that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, 
were to walk in a particular way. And John is simply saying, if, if you really do f- have fellowship with God, we'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see that in, in your life. Again, you remember Jesus spoke this way. You can find this in Luke in chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? You realize that the little expression, no, N-O, Lord, no, Lord, is an oxymoron. That if he's really the Lord, all you can say is yes. If he's the Lord and master, how could you say no? And so it made perfect sense, perfect logic for Jesus to ask that question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do the things that I say? John is reiterating that. He's saying, if you claim to have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, you lie. Because if you're walking in the light, then we'll see it. In fact, Jesus had just got finished with this little parable. He said, for no good tree, or a better figure of speech, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Jesus was saying, everybody gets it. We know the principle here. We know that if you go to an orange tree, you get oranges. If you go to a lemon tree, you get lemons. If you go to a fig tree, you get figs. But if you start getting figs off an orange tree, that's crazy. And so it's simply the way that it is. We should be able to see, you should be able to see something in your life that says that I have fellowship with God. I don't just show up on a Sunday and ignore him the rest of the week. Rather, we see it in the fruits of, in the fruits of our lives. In fact, we'll come to, in chapter two, this verse. Verse six, it says, by this we know that we're in him, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Or verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Remember Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. The scripture says he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was justified. He was accepted by God. But then a time came when God tested him and he passed the test. And James writes of Abraham, oh, that's how we know his faith was real. That's how we know his faith was real. So the question is, how did did they know, how do you know that you really have fellowship with God? Well, it's in how how we walk. But notice, he says two things about this um, having fellowship with God and walking in the light, verse seven. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now that actually surprised me that he wrote that. I was expecting John to to write this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. But he doesn't say that. He says we have fellowship with one another. No, no, why didn't he follow me in this? Lots of reasons. He was being led by the Holy Spirit. The second is he was right. And the third is that when John lays out having fellowship with one another, that comes from being in fellowship with God. You see, if we're walking in the light, then we're walking with the Lord. And if we're walking with the Lord, then that will be seen in our obedience. And the commandment, the primary commandment he gives to us is that we're to love one another as he has loved us. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so if we're walking in the light, we will have fellowship with one another because we have fellowship with God. But then notice what he says. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And you say, well, wait a minute. If I'm walking in the light and not walking in the darkness, then what sins needs to be 
confess. Doesn't walking in the light mean that I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything perfectly? No. If it did, John wouldn't write this. And we'd be in a bad way as every other person ever. His, his point is when we're walking in the light, it's isn't we're walking in sinless perfection. But when we sin, we see it. When we sin, we realize it. We know it. And what he wants us to know is that when we sin, we don't have to be resaved. When we sin, Jesus says not to die again, be sacrificed again. But he says to us this. He says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That is, when we walk in the light, when we're following the Lord, we'll sin. But rest assured, the blood that was shed on the cross is still sufficient to cleanse you. It's still working. Because the word cleanse is in, in the present tense. It means it, it's keeping, it's always working. It's always scrubbing, if you will. It's always cleansing. And, and so rest assured that if you're walking in the light and you sin, that the blood of Jesus, the blood shed on Calvary, still cleanses you. It's an ongoing thing. And, and this little word, this word cleanse, in the Old Testament, and even in the New, but in the Old Testament, meant to purify so as to be acceptable to God. It's the word that's often used in the Old Testament to, uh, to, to speak of, 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 of things cleansed for ceremonial purposes, for worship purposes, whether they be things in the temple or priests, to be cleansed. And so what he's saying is, as we walk in the light, we're acceptable to God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is always at work cleansing us, purifying us. And not only that, but some have said this, that, that this could well mean that, that not only as we're walking in the light are we purified, cleansed from the guilt of sin, but also that we're being sanctified that God is at work in us, purifying us, cleansing us, enabling us to walk in holiness. So the hope of the Christian is that as we look at our lives as we mature, that we can, we can see that God is at work in our lives. We can see the fruit of the Spirit being born in our lives. And we don't sit around and pat ourselves on the back, but we say thank you to God because we see him at work in us. Because we walk in the light. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, there's more, but let's stand and sing for a moment.
formed the mountains by his might. All praise to him who names the stars that sing his fame in skies afar. All praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above. Yet let's to hear our every prayer with sovereign power and tender the Son, the Servant King, who left behind His glorious throne to pay the ransom for His own. All praise to Him who humbly came to bear our sorrow, sin, and shame, who lived to die, who died to rise, the all-sufficient I may just read again the end of this particular passage beginning with verse eight. Two more claims. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It seems like the seriousness of these claims um, is increasing. Uh, they said that they were, had fellowship with God, but, but it's clear they didn't because of how they lived. They continued to walk in darkness. They continued to sin without regret. They continued uh, to show that they didn't have fellowship with God. But now they're making two other claims. One is we see that they have no sin. And the second is that they've not sinned Basically, they're divorcing themselves, if they will, from sin, from guilt, from any blame. Uh, they're saying, we, we, haven't, we have no sin that is, we're not inherently sinful. And thus, we haven't sinned. And we don't know if that they meant they've never been inherently sinful or once they've become enlightened, they're no longer inherently sinful or, or, or that they don't sin. It's difficult to know, but, but that really is a very contemporary thing. I mean, the world in which we live denies the presence of sin in us. And even denies this guilt that comes from sinning. Because there's no sin against God, the only sin really would be against themselves. Because it isn't God's truth that's the problem, it's their own truth. They must live by my truth, by my own truth. And if I violate my truth, then that's evil, then that's wicked. But, but I, I have to abide by my own, my own truth. I'm not inherently sinful. The wickedness that exists exists not because there's something in us, but something outside of us. There's some oppression or, or, or there's some want that 
exists, a need that I have that isn't being fulfilled. Now, that is what creates the problems that isn't what's really in me. But John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say that it isn't within, we deceive ourselves. And he also says, if we said we haven't sinned, then we make God out to be a liar. See, this this self-deception that says I have no sin runs contrary, of course, to what the Bible really teaches. We know that the Bible teaches that God God created human beings good. After he made Adam and Eve, he said, this is good. Very good, in fact. But then we know what happens by the time we get to Genesis in chapter three. We know that Adam rebels against God. And rather than trusting God and trusting God's word, he relies on the word of the evil one. He evaluates and he says the word of the evil one is true. And therefore, he eats from the tree that God has forbidden. And at that moment, this rebellion takes place and in the hearts of Adam and even every other human being since them, save Jesus, who was born without sin, of course. But every other human being then is polluted, corrupted with this nature that rebels against God that says, I can do it my way, that I'm the one who defines good and evil, I'm the one who directs my own life, and I'm going to delight in my life. Whereas we're to have God define us and God direct us, and we're to delight in him. This innate, inherent sinfulness. You see, We sin because we're sinners. That's who we are. We rebel against God because we're rebellious against God in our very hearts, you see. And they denied that. And John says, if you deny that, you see, then you're uh, deceiving yourself. And indeed, you're calling God a liar because God, in fact, has said we sin. Remember this passage in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. This great passage. Isaiah writes, all we like sheep have gone astray. We ha- we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. The sense that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's because it's who we are and it manifests itself in sin. Rebellion against God, real evil, real wickedness in our lives. John says, if you deny that, you're deceiving yourself. If you say you haven't sinned, then God's the one who said you're a sinner. God's the one who said this is sin. And now you see, you've called him a liar. Paul summarizes Isaiah with this verse in Romans chapter three. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God, his his majesty, we're to image him. He made us in his image to glorify him, to reflect him. And sin means we fail to do that, we fail to reflect him, we fail to love as he's loved. And thus we fail to reflect him, that's sin. And there we have it. So John says, here's, here's the solution to that, here's, here's the remedy to that, verse eight. If we say we have uh, no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But notice this, verse nine. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, as we said, having fellowship with God doesn't mean that we live in this sinless perfection. Well, we do sin. In fact, he says, if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is in us. We do sin. We say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, we do sin, we understand that. So, so how do we maintain this fellowship? How do we walk in this light? How do we keep this fellowship? We keep it by being honest. You see, when we walk in the light, the light shows who God is and shows us even our own lives, our own sinfulness. You remember the prophet Isaiah, when he came into the presence of God, when he came into the light, he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Heaven and earth is full of your glory. And then what did he say? He said, I'm becoming undone, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the Lord of glory. He said, ah. God said, yes, admit it, see it. See your sin. The word confess means to agree with, to fess up. It means to say, that's true. 
And so we make confession. We're saying, that's true. I see my sin. I'm not going to deny it anymore. So we maintain fellowship by confessing our sins to God. That's true in relationships as well with other people, right? When you hurt someone, then you go to them, and that restores the relationship. Here, the same thing. God forgives. It says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Faithful. Why does he say that? Why does John say that God is faithful to forgive us our sins? Well, he says he's faithful because God made a promise to forgive. Uh, again, the, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 18, God says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They're, they're red like crimson. They shall become like wool. It's, it's a startling statement. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Really? God wants to sit down with me and reason and th- talk things through? Well, here's God's reasoning. He said, this is what's reasonable. Your sins are like scarlet, and they shall be white as snow. They're red like crimson, but they shall be like wool. He's saying, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to forgive you. That's how I reason with you. The prophet Jeremiah puts it like this, chapter 31, verse 34. He says, no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God has made a promise to forgive. And John is saying to us, he's, he's faithful. He's faithful to, to forgive. That is to restore this fellowship. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought when I came to faith in Jesus, all my sins were forgiven. Past, present, and future. True. But yet, you know, again, in relationship, that when you break fellowship, when we sin, it doesn't mean we're lost again, but you know it does affect your relationship with the Lord. And so he says, well, confess it. Be honest about it. Again, same thing with another human being. Same thing with God. Confess it. Be honest about it. And in your own life, in your own experience, that relationship is restored. Confess God is faithful to forgive. But notice also, he says, not only is he faithful, but he's also just. And you might say, well, why does he say he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins? What's this justice have to do with this? Well, you could say, well, he's made a promise. It would be unjust not to keep it. So he's faithful and just to keep his promise to forgive. And that's no doubt true, but there's something else as well. There's something else as well. Because you see, for God to forgive us, there is this, shall we put it this way, dilemma for him. How can he morally acquit the guilty? How can God morally acquit the guilty? How can God acquit the guilty and himself be just, himself be be moral. You know as well as I do that if there's a, a person who's committed a heinous crime and they're uh, set free, that they're declared not guilty, that we would be up, up in arms. We'd say, well, what about the people they've hurt? This is not just. So, so how can God, who is just, acquit the likes of us who are guilty before him? And he can, you see, because the penalty is taken upon Jesus. This is laid out in many passages, but perhaps none as, as helpfully, as strongly, as clearly as in Romans chapter three and verse 21. We read this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's it. A price has been paid. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood. We're gonna spend most of next Sunday on the word propitiation. But as a propitiation in his blood, it means it was an atoning sacrifice. It means it paid for our sins. It means it, it, it exhausted the, the wrath of God against us. Any case that was against us, propitiation means that it's, it's now paid, it's now taken care of by whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It is to show his righteousness at the present time. You see, the, the question that can be asked of God is how can you keep overlooking these sins before the cross? How can you overlook these sins after the cross? And you'll say it's because of the cross I could overlook the ones before because I knew what was coming and I can look over the, the ones after because I know what just happened. And this says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he is faithful and just. So we can, we can say there is an objective reason why he can forgive he sweeps nothing under the rug. He takes care of everything. It's all done. Case closed. Penalty paid by another who's worth you. Trust him. So don't deny it. Don't deceive yourself. Don't say I have no sin. Don't say I've not sinned. Agree with God, confess it. All this is contingent upon confession. Confess your sins. Acknowledge it. So often, you know, I don't know about you, but confession can become the shortest part of my praying because I've got 16 things I need before noon. Right? I've got my list. I've got your lists I'm praying about. And I, I just sort of, yeah, God forgive my sins, but blah, 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 blah. But you see, we mustn't, we mustn't skip that step <laughs> because we'll find in chapter three that John writes that if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before the Father and we receive that for which we ask. You see, if you've sinned and, and you haven't confessed, then, 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 then you, there's this, this sort of check and there's, there's, there's something that says I can't really ask with confidence. I remember one time way back when I was teaching economics at this university and we were having a departmental party and, 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 and as I was going out the door um, to go home that evening, the night of the party that evening, uh, someone said to me, hey, remember to have Karen bake a cake for the party. And I thought, maybe I'll just pick one up. Because I hadn't left on the best of terms that morning. <laughs> And I didn't have all the great confidence that when I went home and, she's, and I said, hey, could you bake a cake for the party tonight? Uh. And, and you know, sometimes when we're out of sorts with another, we're afraid to confess to them, to admit our sin, to say, I know I've hurt you, I'm sorry. And we're afraid because we're afraid they'll hold it against us once we admit it. Or, or afraid that they'll think less of us for the rest of our lives because we've admitted that sin, we've admitted we did that. And John is saying, God isn't like that at all. That when we confess our sins, he's faithful, he promised, God promised, and he's just, he's already dealt with it to forgive us to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is absolutely, positively nothing more freeing for a human being to receive the forgiveness of God and to walk in that light. That's fellowship. Well, there's more next week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for me and for all of us that this 
honesty before you will be proof that we're walking in the light. This desire to please you, to obey you, will be evidence that we're walking in the light. This cleansing that we experience will show forth that we are indeed walking in the light. So help us. Oh God, please may we never think that we're saved by what we do. Or that if we can only be better, then you'll accept us. That isn't it at all. It is it that we are sinners and you are the great one who has sent your son that we might be forgiven our sins and enable us to live in that forgiveness that Jesus brings. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and let's sing together. available to pray and off as you leave the sanctuary to your left if you have particular needs please uh, go to them and allow them to pray with and for you and please receive this now as God's benediction now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine through his power that is at work within us to be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus both now and always and together let us sing Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy 